Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Motor City Metrics here at uh, TigerMinorLeagueReport.com. I'm Rahelo Casillo. Alongside me is a special guest we'll get to in a second. Waiting for Youper to jump on, and boom, there's Youper. Okay, there's Youper right there. Chris. Hello, hello. Chris will be, it looks like he is, he's texting me right now. i got the bubbles right now. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. He might be late. We'll see here in a second. And John is a game time decision, he said. Yeah, luckily for me, softball, we had softball tonight at 6.30 instead of usually. Okay, so he said, uh, or, sorry. I, he's, I didn't put my together my segments. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. All right. Anyway, so I've been a little rude. But so our guest tonight is, and I always like bringing in new voices to the podcast just because it's nice to have a little variety of voices. Otherwise, Youper wouldn't be here. John wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that. But tonight is a guy who I like his Twitter account because he just stands the facts and pretty doesn't involve in troll behavior on or sorry, not Twitter. It's X now. <laughs> are, are you going to call it anything else? And by the way, his name is Griff. You can find him on Twitter at and I just blanked out. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. You can find him on YouTube at Deep the Center and on Twitter, your handle. And I'm blanking out. I'm sorry. I'm doing really it's, bad it's, introducing you. Oh, you're good. It's also Deep to Center on. Deep to Center. Uh, OK. Yeah. On awesome. X. Oh. On X, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know why I keep doing that, but anyway, yeah, we'll get. There's a plenty to get to this evening, and uh, before we before we get to all that, if we'd like to ask our first time guest their earliest baseball memory. Yeah, I really had to think about that one, and it makes me feel like I'm gonna cr- come across super young because I had to think back, and the furthest back I could go was in May of 2006 when the Tigers really just came out of nowhere and were, were good again. I definitely watched before then, but nothing happened that stuck out to me. I think back to, I, I don't know if you can see behind me, I have a Ken Griffey poster. He was my favorite nice. player. Like growing <laughs> yes. up, my, my dad claims I was named after him. I, he's probably lying. But yeah, so I I always wanted to see him play, but my dad always had Tigers games on. And at the time, Ken Griffey was on the Reds. And then they came to town in May, and I wanted nothing more than to watch him play a good ball game, but the Tigers win. And I remember he hit a grand slam in the seventh inning to put the Reds up. And then my favorite Tiger at the time, Curtis Granderson, hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth to tie it. And then they were walking it off on an error. But I just remember thinking that that is the moment where I thought, man, this is a cool game. This is a really cool game. It's just, I, I love it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, a very good memory to start with. But the, yeah, I can't, I, I, I don't, yeah, uh, I've said this before. It's one of my earliest baseball memories was, and this is aging myself, but 1987, I was six years old, Tiger Stadium, and it was watching, my first Tigers game was watching Bo Jackson play and burning my tongue on hot chocolate because I had no idea on the uh, hot chocolate there. Oh, th- okay, thanks on the Harris call. Yeah, I was, I think I was the only person on the Harris call that asked a question that he may have liked. I don't know. He actually got, he, I don't know, he got energetic on the question, but plenty um, to get to. So Chris is now joining us. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, Griff. There's. I don't know if you saw any of the press conference clips, but there. Yeah, weird. he's and same thing during the game when he was being interviewed. It seemed like he was dodging a bit in terms of the questions. It seemed almost every time he's been interviewed since he signed on, it seems like he just reiterates the same few things and I, I i don't want to give up hope on him yet i think he and that, this isn't hard to do but i think he is smarter than avila 
but and he's going to do a better job than Avila. But right now, I'm not overly impressed, especially with the answers he gives. Yeah. Speaking of Avila, by the way, the Tigers today released three players, and one of them it was Chavez Fernander, Johan Commander. Camargo, I'm sorry, yeah, Camargo, thank you. And one Mr. Franklin Perez. Oh, what could have been? You know what? If I wasn't getting a copyright sued, I would play Boys to Men. How do I say goodbye to yesterday? But we can't do that, unfortunately, because YouTube will yell at us. Franklin Perez era is over. It is what it was. And the Tigers really, out of all the Avila deals, the only one you can see right now in terms of the just basically Jake Rogers. And ironically enough, when I saw that the Cubs traded for Candelario, I laughed. I laughed for a good five minutes <laughs> because I've been on the pro Candelario camp for a while. And I understand that there was, he wanted to raise the Tigers. didn't want to give him one. He needed a change of scenery. I knew again, this guy was two years removed from leading league doubles and all those people. I remember one particular guy rhymes with you. You're familiar with this guy. So is Chris rhymes with Bomer. Neris said that Candelario was one of the worst players he's seen. And he always, he always dog on him all the time, but the comes one in the back. The whole thing with Candelario is if, if they made a baseball decision, they thought they, he played poorly enough last year where they had to move on. Okay. But as you said, he was very solid the year before. If they did it because it was going to make $7 million with the measly payroll they have, that was really a short-sighted decision. And I realize he's not a superstar, but seven million bucks in today's game, well, what is that? Especially where the payroll of this club is. But really, uh, and unless they were, had a plan to bring in a third baseman, which obviously we know they did not, really well, they did. a head scratcher. They did. They, br- they brought in Nick Maton. They thought Nick Maton would be the better third baseman than Jamer Candelario. Yeah. And they were very, very wrong about that. And I see a ton of re- revisionist history there. A lot of hindsight now. People talking about Candelario. Raheli was the only person I remember actually saying that he was still good. And even even toward the end, I think it had gotten so bad. You you, you really defended him and you said, and you're right, he's a good player. He's coming off a great season, but it just was, he was just so bad last year that I, yeah. I can't, I, I can't kill the Tigers for letting him go. Honestly, it was, a, it was an 80 WRC plus with a negative value. It, it's 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 a, wasn't one of those marginal calls. Willie Castro has had a, a solid year too, right? Like these were talented players that were having bad years, and they're on the fringes. And, and Scott Harris wanted to sweep in his own fringy players, and that's what we've gotten. Yeah, but yeah, I, I now we were talking about. You could even make the argument had they kept Candelario and he was producing like he does this year, that the Tigers aren't sellers at the deadline because that's practically a five-win swing right there. Candelario's been like a three-win player, and Maton and Phil or, or, or Tyler Nevin were huge negatives at third base to be in the year. That, that, the Tyler Nevin setting didn't really still didn't make much sense to me now, then. It didn't make sense to me now because he was exactly his. He's a 4A player. And, the, yeah, I think with Candelario, maybe a change of scenery was necessary. The numbers were bad. Let's not kid ourselves here towards the end of the year. But at the same time, Griff, I'll ask your opinion about this. Do you think it's really just – when you're in a rut like that and you're in an environment where it's just, it's not going for you, you're going to eventually just, I don't say he gave up, but maybe do you agree he needed a change of scenery? Yeah, I'm a firm believer in change of scenery being a good thing for a lot of players like Cody Bellinger going to the Cubs. I, I, who knows if he stayed with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. if he would have gotten back to form like this, 
Jamer, I, I would love to say if he was still here, he'd be doing the same thing, but maybe not. Maybe he needed fresh coaches, change up something that he had gotten stuck doing in Detroit. And I think at the time I was all for the move, but now I'm looking back on it. And I think if, if you were going to do this, I would expect you would want Colt Keith or Justin Henry Malloy playing third base, like now, at least by now, but both of them are still down there and we have a rotating door at third base and it just feels like it was a senseless move. Yeah. I mean, and there's something to be said for, for just being able to take the off season and get yourself right. You can't take a month off in the middle of a season and figure out what's wrong, figure out your approach, right. figure out your swing. And it, it's guys don't often do that, but we've seen it many times before, right? With JD Martinez famously you know, figured out a new swing in the off season. It, it's, and I don't know if, if that really has, changed much maybe Candelario was pressing too much so I, I think it's just one of those things where they they they'd be a, a lot better off if they had kept Candelario and he produced like he did this year but I, I I can't really kill them for letting him go yeah you can't kill him either it's not like I'm doing the victory print of some sort like that it's not at all I understand why completely understand what the it's, situation was but it's and I would just say similarly like I I can't kill Alavila for the Paredes Meadows trade, right? Like we all liked that at the time. It all made sense. Yeah. Nobody saw Austin Meadows just having basically what what appears to be a career-ending mental health issue. Um, and and people thought the Predis had this this level of uh, potential, but it was worth it because the Tigers were getting a proven hundred RBI, thirty home run type guy. And it just sometimes things just don't work out. And uh, for whatever reason, lots of things have not been working out for the Tigers over the last five six years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just a bad luck. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say. What's interesting about that trade too is I was wondering if Meadows had showed signs of this stuff prior to being traded. And there is an article uh, I found a while back that like the Rays did know, like he he did have issues back with the Rays. And if Alavila knew that, then he somewhat knew what he was getting into. So it's hard not to fault him a little bit. But I don't know if the Rays really explained the severity of it when they dealt him. Yeah. Yeah. And per- I, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. You know, I, I, there are certain HIPAA laws or whatever, right, that, that you can't violate. But I assume when you're trading a guy, you, you get access to his medical records. And I would, that would be in the medical records. And I think that the Tigers, I think the Rays knew. I think the Tigers had a, probably had an idea that he was seeking a counseling and things like that. I just don't think they had any like you said, any concept of how severe it was and, and how debilitating it would be for him. And he had never missed significant time in Tampa because yeah. it went to a different level in, in April of 22. Yeah, and the so, thing is, we knew that Paredes was good, but he was never going to get an opportunity here. It was just not going to happen. As Deadly Ninja Beast pointed out, he's correct. He can never keep the ball fair either. But Sometimes you wear out your welcome in an organization too with things that aren't necessarily on the field, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> DC. So anyway, there's, by the way, I was doing a little bit of research and it's not going to be my inside number, but it's something that I was going to post on the Tiger Minor League Report account. So tonight, before we get into the Erod stuff, Kyra Montero won his 10th game and the last Tiger player to do it in the minors that was, was technically 4A, technically not even a Tiger prospect, was Mark Leiter Jr. in 2021. He won 10 games. Prior to that, in 2019, Matt Manning with 11, both Matt Manning, Tim Eidelman, and Elvin Rodriguez all won 11 games. In 2018, A.J. Ladwig, Spencer Watkins, Bo Burrows won 10 games. <laughs> and the 
the last person that won over 11 games or 12 games rather in 2017, Chris, take a guess. Over 11 games, 2017? Yeah. See, 20, 20, 2018 was Manning's good year, right? 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. That would have. That was the year they drafted Fiat, so it would have been pitchers, not Bo Burrows. Not, What's your official guess? I have no. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think who else. Tyler Alexander? Wrong! Youper. Yeah. I, I have nothing. Okay. Griff, you got a guess? Nope. All right. It's the great. Artie Lewicki, 14 oh. game. He went 14 and 4. University uh, of Virginia's finest. Yeah. And uh, Artie. So that's going to be something that I was going to put out there before the podcast started. But, ladies and gentlemen, now we present to you the Elvin, or excuse me, Elvin Rodriguez, the E Rod situation. And we're going to play some people's music for us. We're going uh, to present this as a case. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is MCM Court, and tonight the plaintiff is Erod, his agent, and the Tigers, <laughs> and we're going to leave the fans who are watching us on YouTube live right now, and if you're listening at home, of course, we love your feedback, too, as well, on the podcast side of things. We're going to present this whole situation, and what happened at the trade deadline, we'll present the facts, facts are the facts, and that's what we're going to do. Of course, we all know that he wasn't moving the trade deadline. And some interesting statements came out from his agent. And so I have the statement from his agent here and pretty much was, and he'll represent a lot of other play, uh, Latino players in across the league. I believe he also represents uh, Jose Ramirez and a, and a few other a list of them. There's a whole list of them. So this is, so this is what he, to, okay, let me just, all right, here we go. What is that? Oh, somebody, oh. To waive his no trade clause, Erod asked for financial and constri- uh, quote financial and contractual enhancements, as reported by Kim Rothal on Thursday. Rothal, citing industry sources, said Rodriguez wanted an additional year at the contract of twenty million to waive out his opt-out provision. That doesn't seem unreasonable. The Dodgers presumably were willing to take on the four- on the four-year-old Verlander, who even if the Mets paid his salary for the rest of the season. We'll be on the hook for $43 million next year, plus the vesting option in 2025. So they would have Rodriguez at for four years at $69 million, essentially. So then his agent put this in, in his agent made it clear too. Hey, I'm, hey, I made the call. I was the one that did this. This is my call. And this is what he said. And you know what? I'm going to, so I'm gonna just not going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read the most important part here. And actually, you can find a quote here. I, neg- I negotiated a no trade clause in his contract for a reason. With all the money, glamour, and fame that comes with being a professional athlete, there are so many. There is also a very difficult and personal side. Many players' wives and their children suffer a lot of instability in their lives, especially when their spouses get traded. I do not take this lightly. Eduardo is one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in baseball. He's also a human being who wants stability for his family. They're comfortable living in the Detroit area and have adjusted well. And I just unfortunately we ran out of time and quote end quote and his agents by his name is G Mato. We got that. We got Scott Harris. Some people saw the clips of Scott Harris from the press conference. He couldn't answer some of the questions that were asked about the contract and the negotiation. There wasn't a backup plan. We did hear, by the way, Chris, can we can we say what we heard a trade? 
Well, the, the can, can we say what we heard from our our person? We had heard we heard trade rumors, but it, it's really hard. Those those may have just been names that were put out and immediately rejected. We don't really know where the rumors came from, what yeah. side they came from. So I don't know if we want to put that out publicly. You're welcome to. I I, I don't feel comfortable doing it. No, all right. Yeah, yeah. If you if you know me, you can maybe ask me. But no. Yeah, you're right. But there's Griff. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after the podcast. You, I'll tell you after the podcast. Okay. Yeah. But uh, right. no, we yeah we we heard there's one package that put together. We're like, all right, sweet. That would have been good. And so that and here's the thing. So I'm gonna present to you, Tiger fans, and people listening on the podcast. Who are you mad at the most? Are you mad at the agent? Are you mad at Scott Harris and the Tigers? Are you are you gonna do a Lynn Henning thing and blame his wife? Which I, I don't know that tweet. Did you guys see that tweet at all, Uber? The one from Henning where he said that Erod was initially saying he's okay with the move, and then at the last minute switched courses. No, the one about he basically blame his wife. I didn't see yeah, that. that- no, I think that's part. That may have been the same same tweet because he also said one can easily imagine a spouse saying, "I'm not moving there." Oh, something yeah. like that. I will say this: if in fact thing is correct, and if it, if it's true that they were saying yes, yes, yes all along, and that at the at the end pulled the rug out from it, that's not so cool. Uh, and I, I would give Harris a little bit of a. Not all the blame, then, if that's true. If it's not true, then I uh, I vote on Harris being at, at fault here for not having a very solid exit plan once it got mixed. All right. So I'm going to go with – okay, Griff, I'm going to go to you. Who do you – before we get to the fans in, in there. So what's your, what's your verdict on this? I think it depends for me what actually happens. So if – Eduardo Rodriguez really was saying yes and then at the very end said no. I put the blame mostly on him, but it's hard not to still blame Harris, mostly because he could have had another trade ready. Like he could have been working with multiple teams at once. He put all his eggs in one basket, it seems like, to the point where when it fell through at the last hour, he had nothing else. Like he would have had to start from scratch with another team, it sounded like, and he didn't have the time. So I feel like he just wasn't prepared enough. He he focused one, on one team, which would have been great if we would have got that to work. But yeah, I I I think I blame Harris the most, tr- truthfully. Okay, because there's there, you know what you would have some evidence to that because we did hear that he wanted to wait till the last possible minute. This was by design. This was by design to wait for the last possible minute to happen. Supposedly, is that correct, Chris? Is that what we heard correctly? Uh, yeah, I, I think. What, what everybody, the consistent thing we heard was that, that the Tigers had very high asking prices. And, and, and because of the financial aspect of Rodriguez's deal, the smaller market teams, say the Reds, the Orioles, the way they act, were not necessarily willing to take on the, that risk of, of him opting in and, and therefore wouldn't give up that quality of prospect. A team like the Dodgers has money, doesn't care. They were. And he had a deal done. So I, I, we have to give him some credit for that. It, and there are a couple things, like I go back and forth, right? Because uh, yes, he absolutely should have had a, a backup deal in plan somehow, some way should have taken, I don't care if it's 60 cents on the dollar, right? You're getting a lousy return, less than you wanted to, but it's better than nothing. And we've mm-hmm. also seen that they didn't move Cisnero, they didn't move Shreve. 
and, and lesser relievers than those two were moved for, again, nothing special, but you're going to lose them for nothing now. So I, I, I have to fault Scott Harris a, a great deal in this whole situation. However, the Dodgers also did not have a backup plan, which makes me think that, that this, this, this had to have been something that happened way too late for anybody to really bounce back from. And, and I even believe they had players that they wanted, right? They, they had a package in place. I don't think that happens before you, ha- you're, you have a, an assurance about the financial aspect of it because we, we know how teams do this, right? They value their players a certain amount of money. We, they value – they put it all together and, and say, okay, this deal is fair to us. And if, if the Dodgers thought that there was going to be an extra $20 million involved, they probably wouldn't have offered that level of, of package. And that's why things got weird and a three-team deal came involved. And so I do, I feel like something strange happened. We don't know exactly. We don't know if it's agent. We don't know if it's Erod. We don't know if it's Erod's family. But but things happened there that I don't think we can necessarily blame on Scott Harris. But still, again, has to have some sort of backup plan. Yeah. And here's where I think there's a, this is something that it was evident to me yesterday. First and foremost, Donnie Sands and Fiedo had to go down to Erie. It leads me to believe, just based off the facts, that the Tigers had a a double A. They had a catcher in that package. There was going to be a catcher coming back from L.A. No doubt to me. I know who. Well, I don't know what catcher. We'll never know. But they had a catcher in that package. You can't tell me otherwise. Because why? What else? Do, the Donnie Sands thing didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, oh wait a minute. The, uh, unless it, go ahead, sir. Chris. You go ahead. You. Uh, it seems like you got it. If Donnie Sands was traveling around with Fiedo, that kind of lends some credence to the rumor that Rogers might have been involved in a deal, right? Because they would have needed a catcher in Pittsburgh. I, I don't know who was uh, sniffing around Jake Rogers, but that might have been why Sands and Fido were traveling around together. Yeah, it's it's possible. I've heard people say that. It's it's possible. They just wanted Fido to pitch to somebody he's pitched to before this year instead of Julio E. Rodriguez or Mario Feliciano down that Erie. But yeah, if you, we can go full, and I almost did this today, but it's it was like Raj was the one who pointed this out, but I didn't feel like doing it because it's his theory. And you can do the, I don't know his name from, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? But the, the Charlie, the, yeah. The, 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 the Charlie connecting the dots. If you look at the transaction logs from the last few days, there's a lot of catcher movement in the system yes. going back a couple of days. You've got, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's not necessarily, you've got Mike Papersky going on the temporary and active list. You've got Helen Burgess going from low A to high A or to triple A, basically, as their emergency slash bullpen catcher. There are a lot of catcher moves going on that, that leads me to, to believe that, yeah, I think I think Raj is right, that there probably was a catcher involved. And then so you look at the Dodgers and go, OK, who, who were the catchers? They seem to really like Dalton Rushing, but they do have Will Smith and Dalton Rushing is in, in high A or whatever. Diego Cartaya was a very highly rated prospect that has, has had a rough year still hitting for power, but his average is way down. And, and apparently the looks haven't been great, but that was a former top 100 prospect that, that might still have some shine to the Tigers and to members of the Tiger staff who probably know him because they come yeah. from the Dodgers organization. So I think, I think there's some legs to that, but uh, again, we, we may never know. Yeah. Yeah. There's just too much evidence to suggest. I, it, for example, when I was looking at Norfolk, the, the, the tides, but usually they would on Twitter they'll post their lineup within an hour and a half, sometimes two hours before the game. They were the early game in AAA that day, and apparently they post their lineup and it went down. 
And I thought, okay, for sure, Baltimore is going to have it's going to something big is going to happen with Baltimore. And it sure as hell, they traded Prieto for Jack Flaherty. And I'm that one hurts. That one really hurts because that was a guy that I really wanted the Tigers to target and essentially fits that trade package that I, cr- I created on for Tiger Mile Report. And again, I'm not just doing this because I, 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 I think he's a really good left handed bat with, with power. And in the Baltimore came away with barely trading any of their prospects while getting a guy in Flaherty who's now throwing at a higher velocity than they did all season. So Baltimore did their homework, and the Tigers ate their lunch. It's it's as simple as that. It just – I like the return for Lee. Don't get me wrong. I like that. It's just the whole thing – the fact that people – I just – first and foremost, the thing with Lynn Henning really bothered me a lot because the insane way about his wife – come on. Dude, sorry, Lynn. No offense or anything, but this just seems – that seems dumb. If you're gonna do that, considering what all he's went through, we don't know. We don't know. And it's I don't know it, the whole. Even but then Erod did a, he did a Bill Clinton where he used a lot of words that didn't mean anything. Where it was just like, <laughs> I may come back, but I don't. I like Detroit, and I'm paraphrasing, but it, a lot of empty words. Where it was like, Are you coming back? I don't. I don't know. I don't. He's saying the right things because he knows he has to smooth that over because he still has to play home games. And as far as Dom out there says, Erod or Avila would have shipped Erod. Yeah, and look, the, the thing is, I was more looking forward to the farm as, farm system aspect of it. The Tigers could have used the Tigers need another batter two in the system. They really do to put it over. You can you can say all well, and he even said this. Here was we got these draft guys and blah blah blah. That's great. However, it doesn't it doesn't raise the fact that here we are on August third. Parker Meadows is still hitting like bombs. Like he's hitting, I don't, that's another story for another day, but you have players that are doing stuff in the minor leagues and you're supposed to quote unquote earmark these bats for people. Then do it. This is a better time now. If you really think you're going to contend for the AL Central division, God bless you because I don't see it happening, but stranger things have happened. So it's the whole thing has been weird. It is one of the strangest deadlines and strangest weeks Tiger baseball in a long time. Even, I did, did this two game series in Pittsburgh. That was even weird. I, the whole thing is just, I don't know. It was a giant mess. And then the Pirates almost came back on Wilson on Wednesday, or excuse me, uh, Lang. Yeah, on Wednesday. Somebody said, yeah. So anyway. So what do we do? What, what, what do they do going forward? Because now this is all in the past. The whole train wreck is over. Now they have Eduardo Rodriguez for at least the next two months. Do they make a move to secure him long-term or do they just kind of punt on this situation that this was kind of a, a mess and they want to save the money next year and move on? Personally, I think you either, you hope he opts in and if he doesn't, you don't pay him more than he's making. I don't think he's worth more than 15 million a year. He's going to want 20 plus million a year. I don't think he's going to be like that guy going forward. He's having a good year, a career year, but he's a career four ERA pitcher. And I like Erod, but I, I wouldn't pay him more than he's making. So if he wants more, let him walk and just call it a loss. I have a lot. I, I agree with much of that. I, I What goes on to, for, in my mind there is if he opts in at the three years, 49 million, fine. It's, it's not a bad contract. Any team could carry that without any major stress on a payroll. That would be good. I would be also be hesitant to add years 
to his deal. I don't care about the money so much. Even if he makes $20 million a year, who cares? It's Chris Illich's money. They'll, they're fine. They won't go broke. But when you watch him pitch, he's having a nice year. He has dominated some bad teams lately, like the Pirates and the Royals. But again, he's he's over 30 now. And if he loses anything off that fastball, he goes from a medium velocity guy to a soft tosser. And I'm not too interested in watching four years of that if that's what he becomes. I think they can do other things. There's a lot they can do, and they have to be creative. And I know that, and so yeah, they're bringing it up again. Yeah, that the part that Chris brought up and G Soper brought in the YouTube chat says narrow and Shreve was moved for nothing. That's that's the thing that I don't understand. There, there's a, again, you look at the, the White Sox. The White Sox, the White Sox had a couple more valuable players in peace. Don't get me wrong, but look what they for Jake Berger. Look what they got for Jake Berger. They got a guy in double A who's doing pretty well. And Berger's under team control. Granted, I understand why. It's a different set of circumstances. But they got a double A pitcher who's like number four in their system who's who's just coming back. A guy who was at, I believe, out of uh, Vanderbilt. Or he was yeah. out of high school, yeah. right? Yeah. And this guy was throwing. He had Tommy John. And he's coming back from that. And he's still putting up obscene strikeout numbers. And they got it for Jake Berger. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good deal. That was a good deal. My, Miami again. Miami, I thought really did a really good job on the ex, on the trade execution on the trade deadline. What are you gonna say, Chris? I don't know. Yeah, you're, lucky I, you're saying something. <laughs> no, I, I was. Yeah, I've been just trying to grab some more clips. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think I have anything. Oh, I was just making okay. Curious. I know we're. No, we're I, well, you saying. know what? I'll, I'll say this. Oh. Uh, I'll say this. Sorry. Um, in, in terms of re-signing Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't think I'd have a huge problem if they if they did it. I because I think he's he tarnished his own value to the point where I don't think anybody's given him a five year deal now. I thought before that maybe they would have, maybe five years and a hundred million, maybe even five up to one twenty, depending on how he finished the year. But I don't think that's happening now. And we know that he wanted another twenty million dollars for that fourth year. I wouldn't hate it if the Tigers gave it to him. But at the same time, I don't see Scott Harris doing that. And and it's again, this is based on nothing other than what. San Francisco did while he was there and they never gave a pitcher more than three years because long-term pitcher deals rarely ever work out and you can win in the margins there. You can get a three win pitcher, maybe even a four win pitcher to a three-year deal. You can sign a, sign a three-year version of Michael Lorenzen, if you will. And and I think that's kind of the the route that Scott Harris is going to go. If they're going to spend big, I'd probably prefer they spend big on Aaron Nola than Edward water over because, but you're still talking about, and big on a 30 year old pitcher, and I it that just strikes me as something that, that Scott Harris is not going to do. Yeah, you know, it's also when you listen to Michael Lorenzen's uh farewell comments, there it struck me as genuine. And I usually look at those things with a kind of a grain of salt, but it sounded genuine. I, I, I it's very, very rare this ever happens. But if they brought back Lorenzen next year after trading him, I wouldn't hate that, and I could almost see it happening. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he, I think he was being sincere. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's what makes the the not trading Erod thing such a bummer because they really did a good job with with Lorenzen. They did what they they said they would do. They said they would bring players in and make them better, mm-hmm. and they did. He he's having his best year. Went out and had an awesome start today for the Phillies. He got better here with the Tigers, which is something you want players to think they can do. And then they traded him for a solid asset, and. 
that was great. That that's the sort of thing we want to see the Tigers do. It's just heavily overshadowed by all the nonsense that went on with Erod. It's a real bummer. Yeah. Yeah. In my, sorry, I was going to say, in my opinion, I would rather see Lorenzen back on the team next year than Rodriguez. I think, I think Erod, he, like he was saying earlier, he's a soft tossing pitcher. Almost. He, he barely t- gets over 90. His really, the thing that makes him valuable is his pinpoint accuracy. If that starts to go at all, he's basically going to become batting practice where at least with Lorenzen, he gets soft contact. He throws 96, 97, good, good change up. So I think I would rather have Lorenzen for another couple of years than Rodriguez. So if they want to go get him this offseason, I'd be on board. Honestly, I look, if Erod wants to come back and finish out his contract, I'm fine with it because quite frankly, I look at the farm system right now and I look at the free agent market and he provides some sort of stability until proven otherwise. If this is a guy that if he's going to walk, then unfortunately that's just Scott Harris got played, played hard. But look, you need pitching. The Tigers have had injury after injury after injury. And, and I, and look, I, and, and I believe in Chris Fetter. I believe in, and a lot of people do in this chat and across our podcasts. So I, I look, there's, there's some things you can point to that the Tigers are doing well pitching wise, and maybe they'll still in, in find a way to enhance them. All right, let's move on to our inside the numbers. All right, since you are our guest, Griff, you are first up. What is your inside number this week? Yeah, I was doing so. It might be easy to go with Riley Green, but that's what I'm going to go with here. His stats. I feel like he's not getting enough attention on a national level. I went and perused fan graphs today. For, he, he fits the category for both old head stats guys and new age stats guys. He, he ranks well in both of those. He's got a 306 batting average, which is 11th in all of the MLB for hitters with at least 300 plate appearances. And he's 19th in WRC plus, which is my personal favorite stat. Uh, Cause it really just shows, is he creating runs and he's 19th in all of baseball for that? Uh, he's got a 138 WRC plus. So that that's important. I think he should be getting more national attention. I think he's been better than, I don't think he's better than J rod, but he's been better than J rod this year overall. And I think he deserves to be noticed for that. However, I will point out also that he does have a 411 BABIP. So it does feel like he's maybe playing at a rate that's unsustainable right now in terms of balls getting down that maybe won't always. Kind of like the opposite of torque in a (laughs) sense. Yeah, that's a good one. And not to mention, too, it was like if it's along the lines of, I believe he's one, like the batting average is one of the youngest in a Tiger uniform since Al Kaline. So this is how two years ago, when we put him number one, he was our first number one on our prospect list. And we're like, this guy's going to be that good of a hitter. And he lived up to the billing. So that's you, one. the power might be starting to come too. Now that Homer yesterday was a laser, oh, man. That was, a- that was a laser. And then he flew out to the opposite field, run to the fence for the next yeah. step it was a nice. Ca- I think that was a nice catch by Reynolds too, I believe. Yeah, it really was. I was nearly two homers and if they have the old scouting saying that power comes last. We could be in for a real big treat if that's uh, right around the corner here. By the way, Noah made a good point I wanted to bring up too. Lorenzo's success is not sustainable. He's just had a career high in age 31. I like that point. I just wanted to bring that up mm-hmm. real quick. Uber, what is your inside number? 
My numbers are two, seven, and six. Our friend Alex Lang, as I, I he just has these outings, right, where he just completely loses the strike zone. And, you know, where most pitchers have some kind of get-me-over pitch that they can lean on when things are going bad, he has outings where he has nothing. I mean, yesterday, after he got the first two outs, which was great, he just completely lost it. And I made me look at some of the numbers. Um, this year, he's actually had, in his 45 appearances, six outings where he's allowed two or more hits. But worse, and that's not a big deal, he's actually had now seven outings with two or more walks as a one-inning pitcher. <laughs> okay, so not good. He is just losing He's losing command and losing control. I'm, I'm really shocked that Feder hasn't found something for him that he can lean on when times are bad in an inning like yesterday. Because yesterday with a four-run lead and two out, that was just crying for a get-me-over pitch. Here, hit it and hopefully one of my guys will catch it. He couldn't even do that. It was really a scary-looking inning, to be honest. And they were lucky Holton came in and got a kind of a, a generous call from the from the umpire uh, to end that game because that was starting to look really ugly. I said earlier this week, Foley, he has a, he's in a long-term steady relationship with the strike zone. And unfortunately, Lang, he hooks up on Tinder with the strike zone every now and then, but otherwise he, he, he does not... He does not call them enough. I don't know where his career is going. For all the success he's had this year, I think he's at a little bit of a crossroads. Yeah, there is. He has to. There was something that it has to start now, or else it's just yeah. His trade vulnerability dips too. Chris, do you have an inside number? Yeah, I, I was telling you that I completely spaced out on doing my segment today because I was. We're in the process of updating our top thirty. Tigers minor league report and I'm going through and, and adding all the little details that we've noticed over the last couple months and I was up to number 21 but but while I was also getting clips today I noticed and you noticed and we all noticed the number 440 that's the length in feet of the home run that Parker Meadows hit tonight his 17th of the year and as Rod put it on Twitter I don't say this very often but call him up it, it's time for Parker Meadows to see the big leagues on the 40 man roster yeah. he's since the beginning of June, he's hitting 280-plus with a 250 ISO, a good walk rate. The strikeout's not too high. He's got steals. He's playing good defense in center field. We understand the major leagues is a huge step up, up from AAA, but he's ready. He's ready to take on that challenge, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's time. And the big thing that we worried about him last year, right, batting against left-handers, he's hitting like 270 with power against lefties this year. So. Yeah. Again, maybe big league lefties will get him out, but but I think it's it's time for Parker Meadows to come up. And I don't ever say that. I never. I'm I'm very I'm yeah, very conservative, right? right? Yeah, like, no, yeah. Same thing with Chris. We're just very conservative about it. And the thing is, is that it's the quality of contact too. We're looking at some of this batted ball data that we have. Secret. We have secret batted ball data that we share with people and all that. And Jerry, our data, data wizard, gets that together. Props to Jerry for that. And. It yeah, it is. He is above average on everything, and this is this is typical of Parker too. This is second street summer where he's just been like just on a tear. Mm-hmm. That like when he he starts off slow, and then I think like after May he just is on fire. I'll tell you that home run he hit tonight. You know, I've been in that stadium many many times. That's a bomb, I and mean, that is up there where the where the where those right field bleachers are. Yeah, into that little deck that's on the left side of it. 
oh my goodness, put a ball up there. That's that's the real deal. And on Tuesday night when I was at the game, he created a run with his legs, looked great, infield hit, stole second, moved up to third on a medium-length fly ball and scored, had a line drive base hit. But what I was impressed with was there was a ball that was smoked up the alley. It was really hit. That looked like a double off the bat all the way, and he just loped over there, and he gobbled that up like it was a can of corn. I couldn't believe it. It was really an impressive amount of ground that he covered. He didn't even look like he was running that hard. I mean, again, going by what they said, really, you're marking at bats for a young bat. It's August 3rd. There's no reason for him. I understand you got to make room somehow, some way. I get it. Who would I send down for Meadows? Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, oh I saw, yeah, sorry. I'm like really, there's a lot of delay on my screen. Oh, okay. uh, but I don't know if you saw Meadows let off the second game with a, a triple to left field. And then yeah, so look, down. if you're going to – Akil Badu made a good play the other day on that rundown, the throwdown. Badu was doing well. However, September call-ups, by the way, don't don't exist anymore. They they don't expand the rosters like they used to. Two people, uh, right? Say what? Two two spots, right? Two spots only. They don't. Yeah, they don't just – it's not like it's expansive. But still, I think that Parker should get a call beforehand. And if they're going to send anybody down, maybe – I don't want to say – I mean, Badu has gotten better, but just at this point, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe wait till September. They probably will, but I think it's just he's making a case to be called beforehand. Um, so my insider number is a interesting one, and it stems from an incident. So here's how this works. So a couple months ago, Anthony Rizzo got hit in the head by Fernando Tatis Jr. by his hip as it was going back on base. So it was just a simple, it was a clean play. It wasn't dirty or anything before that happened. This is from codify on Spotify or codify on Twitter or on X, whatever it's called. Rizzo this year before it happened in, in the inside number here is the, these two or a series of numbers here, 53 games, 11 home runs, bad 304, 376, 505 with the OPS of 8080. After this happened, 46 games, one home run, hitting 172, 271, and 225 with an OPS of 496. Mm. He came out today saying that he's been playing with a he's been playing with a uh, headache. He's playing with a concussion essentially. And yeah. Wow. I mean that's I mean I, I don't know if you guys have ever it, 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 this is reminds me of Uper Justin Morneau. and uh, exactly I'm, I'm, what I was thinking. You read my mind. Do you yes. remember, Griff, do you remember that at all with just oh, yeah. it is, uh... no question. He went from an MVP uh, a couple I'm... years later. He had that. He had that. And uh, he was playing in a haze for over a year. Yeah. yeah. Well, Griff, do you remember that Griff at all? I do remember the drop off that Morneau kind of suffered out of, out of the blue, but I didn't remember that it was a, you know, a head injury or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. I think yeah. he got it sliding into second base. In yeah. Sliding into second base. Yeah. yeah. And it's just one of those things like that. Um, we'll get to the question. We'll get some questions. People are asking if the Tigers should go after Matt Chapman in the offseason. But they always have three other third basemen that have to concern the system, too. So, I mean, it would be nice. I don't know. The Tigers have to get creative this offseason. We'll get to that shortly. But, yeah. But, anyway, I just thought that stat was mind-blowing. And, again, it, it, people who I, – I, Yankee fans – I mean, Yankee fans are obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but – 
they have a point to be fraught. I mean, again, they expect always to be there and everything. And but the Yankees' season's just been so. Oh, you saw Domingo Herman got is won't be playing for the team the rest of the year. It was a drunken incident again, and all sorts of weird stuff going down down there. But imagine being a Yankees fan. You watch your team literally say, "Hey, we're fine." When you don't have, I mean, you're not fine. I saw it today. They're 100 and 100 in their last 200 games. Yeah, they are, they are a very mediocre team. Yeah. Uh, I see, it seemed John Boy Media, like where Aaron Boone got snappy with them and all that, and it's expected because you know that's what those guys are going to do anyway. So I don't know, it's crazy. It is just a it, it's a crazy situation right now in New York, but I don't feel sorry for him. So nobody does. <laughs> no. You feel sorry for him, Griff? No, not at all. Um, I do <laughs> think there's an argument to be made that their deadline was worse than the Tigers. I yes. think they probably had the worst deadline of any team. The fact that they barely did anything. I think just... even the tw- like when Bob Nightingale celebrated the Twins not doing anything, I thought that was just like Bob, go go to bed, <laughs> go go to bed. Like seriously, like, just go ahead and have a warm glass of milk and, and go to sleep and with a blanket, whatever you do, just go to bed. Like what what was the point of that? What, what I mean, come on. I don't know. <sighs> go to bed. So um, yeah. As far as extending Riley Green, yeah, they should do that. That's be the first player they should do that for. So uh, let's go into the good, the bad, the ugly this week. All right. And so uh, what is your good and the bad this week, Cooper? Well, I was going to talk about Michael Lorenzen as my good, but we'll, we already kind of hit on him a little bit. Really nice outing today, and I was happy for him. Um, so I'm going to switch real quick. Justin Henry Malloy. Now it was just one game. I was there on Tuesday night and he had two walks. He didn't even get a hit, but I saw him play in May just after he was sort of coming off that real hot start. And he was, um, he was kind of starting to slow down a little bit. And I thought right away in the first couple of swings, I, and again, I am not a hitting coach. I am not a scout. I'm just a guy sitting in the bleachers. Right. Um, I thought his swing looked more compact right now than it did in May and with a little more bat speed to it. It really it impressed me. Uh, now, again, he ended up taking walks. And he followed some balls off, so I didn't see him hit a laser with it. I know he, he hit one tonight. Um, but I, I just saw some improvement. So I am wondering if he's also close to a call-up. I don't see why not. I know that they, he has to be added to the 40, though, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always a hindrance. Um, you know, that, that's that's their excuse for not doing it. But I would – I hope he gets at least a September call. Uh, I would like to see him face some major league pitching and uh, watch that for a while and see how he fares, even though September at bats can be misleading. But at least get a sense of what's there and, and go into next year and uh, see if he's a guy that they can count on moving forward. Uh, bad – you know, as I've said many times, Shane McClanahan or uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are probably my the team I root for second past the Tigers when the Tigers aren't on television. Um, also, I predicted them to win the World Series this year, and I looked pretty good at these after about a month. But now the Rays have backtracked into second place, and then tonight they put McClanahan on the 15-day IL, uh, going for to get his forearm looked at, which is never a good sign. Uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball, probably one of the at least seven or eight best pitchers in baseball, uh, might be gone depending on you know what they find with this MRI. So that was kind of an ugly moment for the Rays. 
Uh, I, I, you know, I don't see Baltimore going away. Frankly, I think they uh, have enough of a talent base there. They could ward off the Rays down the stretch, but it could be a fun uh, pennant race in that division uh, in September. So I went the, with the good, the bad, and the deadly tonight. Um, it's really amazing what the Braves have with Michael Harris batting ninth and Ronald Acuna leading off. So obviously in the first inning, that's just Acuna. But then for the rest of the game, you got Harris and Acuna back-to-back really setting the table for the middle of that order. Uh, today, or yesterday against Giolito, they were six for eight with, I think, seven runs, five ribbies, and Homer. Uh, it, it's just an offensive juggernaut. Once Harris has gotten beyond, past the injury that he started the year with, now that he's healthy with him and Acuna back-to-back, that's just a run source like you would not believe. It is a deadly run source, and Giolito ran into that uh, and was it got pretty ugly uh, for him. So um, I think the Braves are going to make some noise here the rest of the year. All right, that's good in there uh, like that. Griff, what is yours, good or bad or ugly? Yeah, so uh, I put down a, a bunch of stuff for the ugly because there's there's a lot of ugly right now. And right. Uh, so for players with a minimum of 250 plate appearances, the worst WRC plus in all of baseball is Eric Haas. He has a 37 WRC plus, which essentially means he's 63% worse than the league average hitter. 63% worse. Uh, tenth worst is Javi at 63 WRC plus. And 14th is Nick Maton, 71. Uh, but Haas also has the worst on-base percentage in baseball, too, with a 236 on-base. But Javi's sixth with 264. So a lot of bad numbers from those two. Uh, at least Javi makes up for it on defense. I know people say that Haas calls a good game, but outside of that, his defense isn't anything to marble at. So I just I don't see the the value with Haas right now. I think... Like we were talking about Justin Henry Malloy, if it was me, if we're calling him up, you DFA Haas, you you move Sands up, and then you send Nick Maton down. Then you've got, yeah, Malloy to the 40-man, call him up, him and Sands. I think that would be the move I would go with, or short instead of Maton. One of those two would go down. Um, But yeah, so that would be my ugly uh, bad right now is Torque's been worse after the All-Star break than he was prior. He's kind of regressing. It seemed like he was catching fire and now he's back in like since the all-star break, I think he's got like a 650 OPS, something along those lines. I didn't write that one down, but he's been struggling again, which is not a good sign. Uh, but, you know, good news is that Riley Green has still just been as good as he was in May. He's been the most consistent player on this team. He's like you guys are saying earlier, it's time to like you got to extend him. I say you you try and make out like the Braves, send him or you know offer him eight to ten years, you know seventeen million a year maybe. See if you can get him around there. I think that's fair because like if you let him get to star status, you know he's going to definitely make more than that. But I think right now that would be a pretty good securing of the future for him. So I think uh, you have to at least try to get him on a deal like that. And do you have any good? Or that was the good. That was the other. That was, good. That was the, the ultimate. Yeah, that was the good. That was the good. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I just want to make sure. All right, Chris. What about you? Yeah. So again, I didn't uh, put anything together for this, but uh, I didn't do my homework. But 
and I just disappeared from my own screen. Um, I don't, and I feel like I, I may have brought this up before, but uh, Hassan Kim for the Padres has been absolutely awesome for like two straight months now. He's been the third best player in baseball by war. I'm looking, I think he's, I looked it up earlier. I, I can't get this to, to come up now, but I think he's been hitting 322, 10 home runs, 13 steals. Uh, it's like a 163 WRC plus over the last two months. Uh, and he's been a huge part of San Diego's uh, offense coming alive and just kind of unheralded because the rest of that team, which, you know, you got Machado, you got Bogart, you got Tatis, you got all these big, big names. And he's been arguably the best player on the team for, for a couple months now. So just uh, wanted to give him a little shine because he's been awesome. Um, my bad, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Reds. I kind of brought this up in discord earlier uh, and I'm certainly not the only one to bring it up, but uh it's just really odd that they didn't add anybody up, like didn't add any pitching. They got Sam Mole, right? So, yeah. you know, a journeyman lefty reliever. Um, and they are, they're getting Hunter Green and they're getting Nick Lodolo back uh, relatively soon. But the Cubs are the hottest team in baseball right now. The Brewers are still there threatening. And the Reds have this, this surplus of really good infielders and, and just really good hitting, hitting talent. Uh, now, you know, you can... You can never have too many hitters. You can never have too many pitchers or whatever. But if you're going to keep trotting out Ben Lively and, and Brandon Williamson, you're going to give up 36 runs in two games like they did the last two days. And and today, I think last I checked, they're losing 4-2 to two to the Cubs. I just I, – I don't know. Maybe it's just the anger in me from, from you know, just wishing the Tigers had that level of young talent and, in, 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 you know, when they had the chance to go for it, to go for it. But it's, it's really frustrating to see these teams – that seem like they have a good chance to make the playoffs and they've got the, the pieces to help get them over the top and they don't do that. It, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's bad to me. I don't like it. Uh, maybe they'll still make it because they've got a, got a lot of good young players, but it, it's just, I don't know. It feels like a weird kind of prospect clutching that I, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I was going to say, and they have a guy in Connor Phillips who is having a pretty good, I mean, if you look at his, I mean, awesome. yeah. 143 strikeouts and 92 innings pitched. Nice. But he's for every reason. They're like, yeah, we'll just leave the minors. It's cool. Well, you know, you know, Andrew Abbott has been uh, a revelation this year. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they've done really good things with their pitching development. So I, I kind of Phillips still has some issues. Like he's, I, I could see them leaving down to have a triple A. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's annoying from afar to, to have seen a team with this much fun young talent and, and not just, Add a middling starter. Add something. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. did nothing. Well, I mean, um, don't be afraid to be a year early. Right? Yeah. yeah. Why not? You are in position. You you can be now a year early, if not two years early. Because, yeah, they have all these young guys, and you maybe say, oh, we're not quite ready yet. Well, the, the, the standings say you are. Now you you have an opportunity to be a year early. Go for it. In a bad division. The, Cardinal, the yeah. Cardinals are down. And based off what the Cardinals got in, in return – the, the Cardinals could come back easily next year. This was a chance for the Reds to do something, and they they crapped the bed. They 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 crapped the bed. Good point. Yeah, and I mean the Cubs have a lot of money. They the Cubs could theoretically go out and get Shohei Otani. Like I, I don't think he'll end up in in Chicago, but if they wanted him, they could go get him. It, it's yeah, it was a good year for the Reds to, to make a move. You know, I go back to your point. You, if I go back to the year, remember when the Nationals shut down Steven Strasburg in August? Yep. <laughs> Just like. Yeah, you know, he's at his innings limit. It's like, what in the hell are you guys doing? Why didn't you just wait and let him hit yeah. his innings limit in the playoffs? It, it's like, and there was no guarantee. And they, they, I mean, he, he eventually, they eventually 
won the World Series, right? But it was pretty close. They're not working out ever for them. So I don't know. And he ended up getting hurt a couple times anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you take your shot. That's my opinion. But um, am I ugly? Is is the Mets? uh, what a what a what a disaster! It is for much much credit as we give the Rangers for spending money and going for it, uh, and, and it's worked. The Mets spent a ton of money, and it was a complete disaster. And it wasn't hard to see it working out this way, just because of the age of the players they spent that money on. Um, and now, what do they they lost? They just got swept by the Royals, I think, or they certainly lost the Royals today. It's uh, I don't even know who's pitching for them now. Who do they have left to pitch? Um, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's ugly there with the Mets. And, and, you know, they have enough money to kind of make it all go away. And they, they got decent returns by doing the smart thing and just eating a ton of salary. But, yeah, it, it's, it feels like a situation that's kind of going to be like uh, almost a turbo San Diego, right? Where they're just going to spend all this money and then never have any good results for it. Nope. They are a mess. There's no question. However, I, I, I give the owner credit for punting and spending the money and trying to add more talent. Oh, and what's even embarrassing is that Max Scherzer basically told everybody what Matt, uh, Billy Apers said to him. He's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to pay until 2024, 2025. We're punting. And Max is like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It, the whole thing, even like just the amount of it, – it, it's just reeked of – like the lake, uh, the Lakers kind of like uh, it's not Carl Malone and Gary Payton, and they're gonna build yeah. this juggernaut. It just reeked of yeah. that. It was just like it was just bad idea. I, I, but you know what? You know what that? You know what that did though? The Lakers came back from that and built a winner again. You know, around Kobe, and I think the Mets. Um, one thing when we had that Mets guy on a few years months back, uh, my comment to him was, "What I like about Steve Cohen is he's a billionaire who is not ashamed of being a billionaire." He acts like a billionaire, <laughs> you know? So I yeah. think that um, by admitting their mistakes and moving Verlander and Scherzer, uh, getting a lot of young talent back, I still think they have some nice young guys. Uh, Francisco Alvarez is going to be a star. Um, you know, Brett Batty, Beatty could be a star. Uh, they have some talent coming. Uh, and I don't think I don't think this little failure is going to keep Cohen from spending in the future either. Uh, I could see them making a, a full court press on Otani as well. Yeah, there was something too that to be said about that. Where the I think the biggest takeaway from I, I got from the Mets too. I mean, they got a there was a player, and I wrote about this player for in terms of five most undervalued pr- prospects. They got a prospect from Houston and a corner outfielder, first baseman type that is doing pretty well for. I mean, he's one of those. It was something that the reason why it resonated with me is because. It was something that was said by Sky Harris. And Sky Harris was talking about they pay attention to players that are performing at a level performing at a level beyond their age or beyond their age. For example, like with with Kim or with um wow, just drew a blank on his name who the Tigers just picked up. Um Lee. Lee, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't just do Lee right now, but the uh the Lee He's 20 years old and he's two years younger than when the average uh, for high A is. And the, uh, I think it was South Atlantic League or whatever it was. And that's what they value. And this is the reason why I like that it stuck out to me is because Ryan Clifford is the guy I'm talking about. Ryan Clifford has 17 home runs at the age of 20, which leads all players under age 21 in that category. 
in the minors. I mean, this guy has been hitting with power and hopefully he can make the adjustment to double A, but I thought that it was a good deal for the Mets to get a corner mm-hmm. outfielder like that to play some first base. So, yeah, especially if he's the second prospect in the deal, that's pretty nice. Uh, Jim yeah. Callis had a lot of nice things to say about that guy. Yeah. yeah if, if I can make a comment on the Mets here real quick, I sure. think what's nice about Steve Cohen, uh, which I feel like we just don't have in Chris Illich, is it feels like he's like a true fan of the team he owns. Like he 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 really cares like a lot, where it feels like the Tigers sometimes just feel like a side project for Illich, essentially. And I think, you know, it didn't work out for Cohen, but I mean, I can guarantee those Mets fans were loving how much he was going out, going to bat for them, trying to sign players, really trying to put them in a position to win. And it, it was a failure, but they had fun along the way. I guarantee it. Yeah. Billy Aper is the uh, GM. Yeah. Chris. The real success was the fun we had along the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's true. And, and you're right. It's, it's Steve Cohen was a billionaire who happened to be a Mets fan and had so much money. He just bought the Mets. That's yes. Mike Illich. That's Mike Illich. Chris Illich is the son of the billionaire who loved the team. And maybe who knows what goes on. Maybe he loved the team more than his son. You know, like as, as a kid of a billionaire, most billionaire children are, are messed up in some capacity because of that's just such a strange uh, situation to grow up in. And uh, who knows? Who knows what's going on in Chris Illich's mind? But yeah, it, it does. It seems to me that Chris Illich wants to build the Tigers like the Tampa Bay Rays or Cleveland where they become this kind of development machine and don't spend a ton of money and uh, live on cheap, 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 cheap. Yeah, exactly. Not the way his dad did it. Uh, maybe he wants to prove that he can do it differently than his dad did it. Maybe he is cheap. I don't know. But uh, I mean, they did, they did shell out some money a couple years ago. Didn't uh, work out the way everyone had hoped, but uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that Detroit's going to end up being in the top 15 in, in payroll any time in the next decade or so. Yeah. I, I, again, if they they were talking about, well, the, he's gonna he's going to do it. He's going to spend money. Well, I mean, this is an off season to do it. See, put your money where your mouth is. They've already spent money on some things they needed to do. They upgraded the up, uh, clubhouse. They upgraded a lot of things that need to be done, and some of the minor league stuff too, which is fine. But mm-hmm. you can spend money on players too. So my good this week is so there's a lot of things going on with a lot of hot teams in baseball right now. The You look at the, what the Padres are doing. Chris mentioned the Cubs earlier. So I wanted to see what, what in July stood out about these clubs and, and what re- would really – like. so right now the Mar- Marlins are 13-and-a-half after six games over 500. Like I said, no one's going to catch the Braves, as you were talking about earlier. So granted. So I wanted to see what the Padres have done with all this, you know, at 54 and 55, because you forget this. So my good is their war. In the month of July, they had a 6.2 war. And they had the second best WRC plus just behind the Dodgers and the Cardinals. So ironically enough, the Cardinals who are that whole I'll get the Cardinals are my ugly this week. And I'm I'm, I'm I can't wait. Because it involves one of my one of the worst broadcasters in human history. <laughs> so um anyway. Uh, yeah, so the, the Padres, and, and again, it's the home, it's talk about Slam Diego, Slam Diego, Slam, Slam Diego, did I, did I say that right? Slam Diego, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, Slam Diego, and with all that power, I mean, they have, they were fourth, though, the Braves still hit 47 home runs in the month of July, 47 home runs, 
And you know what's funny about that? Cleveland, for the entire season, has less than 90. They're like 80-something. Bell, who hasn't done anything for you, but still. You know, the, the Padres have the sixth-best run, run differential of baseball. Yeah. Like, and one they, game under 500. They should be a lot better than they have been. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of it's one of those unfortunate things for them. Stan is dead on, and he's right. By the way, Stan said this. Friendly reminder, Mike Illich bought the Tigers in 1992. That means the Tigers suck for 14 years. What were, saying about, what were fans saying about Mike Illich for those 14 years? They didn't come to the ballpark. I The, the things that Randy Smith had to do as a GM, the reason why I made so many trades, because he couldn't spend money. They were like purposely going, you're not going to spend, you know, you inherited a mess from Tom Monahan, or Tom Allian because Monahan didn't want to spend either because he was broke. And it's the same. Yeah. Well, do, do you remember that that uh, somebody tweeted out? I, I don't know who it was. Maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, about I think it was the Tigers' payroll in like 1995 or 1996. It was the highest in Major League Baseball. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah, I did because they still had they had Cecil Fielder's contract on the hook on the hook, and that was one of the first things he did. And then he didn't want to spend money after a while because he was waiting until they get to the new stadium. Essentially, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I, I think it was no, I mean I, I think it was in Mike Illich, even from the beginning, but I think you're right. I think there was a lot of angling to get a new facility and, and you know he was still a, yeah. a savvy businessman, right? He was a Tigers fan, but also a businessman and he wanted both. And then when he got old, he realized like ah, there's nothing left. Let me spend all this money. Yeah, it feels like there was a turning point, and it was when he signed Pudge. That seemed to be like the turning point because from there he went and signed Maglio, Guillen, like they brought in all these guys. And uh, and then from there on, he just kept spending money. Victor Martinez, Miguel, they re- signed him long term. Like it, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was like yeah. they, a flip switched or switch well, flipped. And I, and I, I think that um, you know he he kind of established that he loved stars in hockey, right? They they went out and got yeah. all the stars they could get in hockey. And, Those ninety seven ninety eight teams, yeah, yeah. And and so I think he was like, hey, that worked and that was fun. Let's do it in baseball too. And so yeah, exactly. You get Pudge, you get. Maglio, but you also got a Hall of Fame GM, which was the biggest move there, right? And and the foundations of that run of success were some of the trades that Dombrowski made, getting Carlos Guillen, um, things like that, you know, the Miguel Cabrera trade. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it uh, I think he, he made one key hire and started spending money, and there you go, the Tigers had one of their best, uh, best teams in, in a long time, but here we are. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So anyway, it was one of those things where I. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm just thinking about those 90 Tigers teams and just how bad that was. <laughs> All right. So my bad this week involves. Well, it, it is the the MLB trade down the line. There's one team I'm going to look at. Uh, we were we ripped on the Yankees, but it's the White Sox. And I say this because Rickon basically traded everybody they could that wasn't bolted to the ground or, and they, and they improved the farm system. But at this point it is like clockwork every single year, the white Sox just cannot get it done and they will continue to do this um, because they just won't. I, white Sox fans are furious right now. They are behind the tigers. They're six. They're actually five and five games back of the tigers right now. And None of those guys that they, they traded for may you may may see them may not, but it's ridiculous. 
it really is ridiculous for the White Sox right now. And fans have a right to be pissed. Oh, sure, you proved your farm system, but it doesn't mean anything. And the division this year, the Twins are one game over 500. One game over 500 right now. I don't get it, but it is what it is. And then the ugly this week is Chip Carey. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Chip Carey. Ever since game 163 against the Twins, is a hack. I, I, I don't care if Chip Carey. Chip Carey is a – here's the thing about Chip Carey, too. I don't like nepotism. I witness nepotism all the time. There's people that say, I don't know, get radio segments because their dad is a program director somewhere or whatever the case is or you know, whatever. It happens all the time. And you see people – and I get mad. The only reason I get mad about that sometimes is because it doesn't – they haven't earned it. And then they just – you know what I mean? Like it's just it, – it bothers me a lot. Or <laughs> – um, like there's like a, not necessarily, that's like, that was a radio example from a long time ago from a, a guy I used to know. And when I lived in Grand Rapids, he essentially got a job in radio because his dad was a program director in Grand Rapids. So that's, that's where that story stems from. I'm not gonna say who and all that, but anyway, Chip Carey, Chip Carey, there's a base, there's a base hit in the left field. Oh, it's caught. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'll, give you, I'll give you. I'll give you an example of that right here, Uber. Center field, pretty well hit at the track, at the wall. It is caught. <laughs> that day when he he called that base hit for the Twins, and then Ryan Rayburn of all people catches it. That was really something. But that's not the reason why I'm, I'm mad at Chip Carey. So Chip Carey. There was an incident uh, earlier in the week. I think it was earlier. It was, I believe, it was earlier in the week, where a where Wilson Contreras got hit in the head on a on a, a swing back. Okay, and it was just it was a, it was a simple thing. It wasn't really something that it was just a, a former team. I mean, again, remember that Wilson Contreras played for the Cardinals or played for the Cubs, and so, but the way it was handled. But and I reason why and I, I blame uh, Mikos. Uh, what's the guy's name again? Um, Miles Mikolas. Yeah, thank you. I I name him. I blame him just as much too because he he's just at, at fault for this. But so I'm trying to find a call now, and I had it all queued up, and I lost it now. And um, essentially, it was an accident. It was just an accident. It was nothing more than that. But then that old school baseball justice thing, you know, like uh, you know the 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 whole entire thing with um, you know how people are with that. They're just like, hey, they they hit our guy, so we got to hit him back, and we got to do you know this is the way we do things. And again, that's baseball. I get it. That part's fine, but this was an accident, right? And so what happens? Uh, Michael tries to plunk him, misses him, and then hits him, and then goes and hits him again. So he didn't even get the job done about hitting him the second time <laughs> or for the first time, rather. And it was ridiculous. The whole thing was so stupid because he's he, I mean, he, the, the umpire. Then they go ahead and blast them. They blast the umpire for ejecting him. What? Yeah. Are you an idiot? I, I, seriously, what what is wrong with you? It, it was the, it was the right move to eject at that point. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. No, I agree with yeah. you on that. That's like that was not a question. But I look, I understand you have to give your team a little home cooking. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. You're a broadcaster. That's what you got to do. 
I get it. Fine. You know, like it, it's like the um, uh, what's call it? Uh, Hawk Harrelson, the White Sox. He's obnoxious, <laughs> but people liked him. But he, I mean, he did that for a reason. But it was one of those things where I, I, I heard that, and I wanted, I'm like, dude, come on, really? You know that's the right call. You've been calling games all your life because your dad got you this damn your grandfather, blah blah blah. It was really interesting. They were going after the umpires for showing no feel for the game, and their whole commentary was showing very little feel for the modern game. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. that's how bad it was. Like, pay attention, dude. I, I I get it. You you don't have to. You can mail it in for all you want, dude. I, I get it. You're 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 Chip Carey. You're the son of loyalty. Royalty. I get it. Blah 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 blah. I, I get it. All right, that's fine. That's fine. That's what you want to do. That's fine. But to sit there, and I'm trying to find out. My, my computer now decides to take a crap on me. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm seeing. I'm right, freezing right. up now on the screen. I can't even see myself. No, I see. Stan says Tyler Nevin is nepotism personified, which which I don't agree with. Yes. There, I think. I think. Uh, yeah. I think um, Jim Leland's son, Patrick Leland, taking him in the eighth round was nepotism. Oof. I think uh, Tyler Nevin was a solid player who was, uh, you know. On his own right, deserved to be a, a top, you know, two round pick, and I think he was. He just didn't didn't work out the way a lot of players don't. Right, a lot of guys top out in the, in the high minors um, that they keep giving him, or that he kept getting big league attempts or, or jobs. Maybe there's some nepotism there. I don't. I don't think so. I think they, I think they just uh, see a guy who can succeed in the minors and for whatever reason can't in the majors. And, and at a certain point, you just go, okay, that's just that's his uh, his ceiling. I think um, a good. Ex- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I think a good example, and I I like the guy, but I think a good example of nepotism would be Ben Verlander, a little bit. Oh, maybe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. No. If 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 his last name weren't Verlander, he'd have 50 followers online. That's yep. that's all there is to it. I I've like I see him on Twitch every once in a while, and he has like 13 to 15 viewers at any given time. So, yeah. Really? Pers- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I it's very easy to get him to respond if you want to ask him questions on there because there's not many people in his on his Twitch watching him. And the reason why I think it was ugly is because, quite frankly, Chip Carey. Anytime I get a chance, I have not had a chance to get a chance to get at Chip Carey, and I'm glad I did. I feel better about it because it, the whole thing. I was just wish I could find the audio. All right, now I did. All right, we'll play it here in a second. I tend to believe that it just when you hear this kind of homerism or i know cardinal fans are something special for lack of a better uh word but i think they're also reasonable enough to go got Contreras in the helmet the mask knocked away so they're attending to, okay so what if he got cut so got towel on yeah, certainly looks like man that is so scary with the backswing but still, Contreras will head off. Let's see if the Cardinals will be allowed to stitch him up and get him back in the game. Right, even right there. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Let's read that for there a second. Let's just patch him back up in the game. He got hit with a bat in the head. <laughs> what kind of idiot are you? Probably concussed. So, so you pure enough? Yes. Um, I've I've never. Seen a situation where where somebody got a retaliation pitch for an errant backswing, 
Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the same thing. It doesn't always happen. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen a little bit more. I wonder if uh, Ian Happ has a, a track record of yes. doing it more. Yes, he does. You know? He does. And because he, if people... it was a one-time thing, then yeah. But if it's something that maybe he's done before to them, now they're going to send a message say, hey, knock that crap off. Oh, no, no, not to them, but that's just something he does. Like, it's not yeah. – they know that about him. Yeah. But it's not like he when I was waiting. So that could be before. why – I've often thought, personally, as someone who's been hit by a bat back there, okay, um, I would love to see if they created a catcher's box where that catcher has to be in that area. And then if the bat uh, is uncontrolled on the backswing, hits the catcher in the head area, maybe that guy's out, you know, because it's really a dangerous spot back there. Let's finish this up real quick, and then we'll continue. The Cardinals will be allowed to stitch him up and get him back in the game. Misses him. And another message sent. Oh, no, this is when he hit him. Message sent. Buzzed the tower once. Got him flushed the second time. And now let's see if the umpires issue warnings after Hap knocked Contreras from the game. Well, you you see that Hap knew exactly what was going on, too. Didn't say a word. Took his bag. Caught him right in the hip. If you're going to get him, that's exactly where you get him. Did the job the right way. They're going to talk it over. The They'll issue way. warnings. They'll throw him out? Wow. They Come just on. Michael is out of the ah. game. you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Have a little feel for the game. Uh, Shut up. What kind of asinine thing is that? You know he was in the wrong for doing that. Knock it off. Well, I think that. Oh, you just let it, let it happen and not get there, anybody get in trouble. What the hell is. Yeah, that, that was bad stuff. Just, I really he sounded so, whine, he sounded I really so whiny about it. I just. Um, come on, dude. Real, I, okay. Does this sound too homerish to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's. There was no need to hit a guy for an accident. So to get all upset that he got ejected for it, 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 it was a warranted ejection, in my opinion. I so there you see times when things are they're accidents, but they're they're reckless, right? And some guys guys get hit for that, right? Because you were reckless, you deserve to get hit, whatever. Uh, but also, if you are deliberately throwing at a, at a batter, you give the umps no no choice. You can't just yeah. be out there throwing at a guy, obviously, and, and not get kicked out of the game, right? Like, I, I don't see what the complaint is. I think, personally, not, and again, I'm, I'm a long way from a major league umpire, right? But where the, how I see it is, they went after him and missed him on the first pitch. Uh, so they had to spend a second pitch to plunk him. So now it's obviously, you can't argue the fact that it's an accident. I think if Mikolash had been able to get him on the first pitch, then they could have just issued warnings and everybody moves on. But now you, you had to throw a second one in there. And now the, the, the umpire's hands are a little bit tied. They got together and say, yeah, hey, he's got to go. Honestly, it's just his, his reaction. You know what? That sounded like Jim Ross in WWE. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it just sounded like something like Jim Ross would do, like say, like, oh my God, so cool, Steve Austin. <laughs> catcher had a family. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. The catcher had a family. Knock it off. Look, look, you're a professional, Chip. 
I get it. Um, that, that, look, the Cubs Cardinals rivalry is is a, is a big thing. I get it. Um, the hitter and the catcher, as as Javi Baez uh, points out in our chat, the hitter and catcher were teammates for six years. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, I it's just, it's just something always like with the Cardinals, but it just it really annoyed me that when I heard oh Chip Carey's call on him like oh oh you wait oh you wait and I don't, look I I know I'm just a small time podcast guy with you know whatever four thousand follow whatever the case I don't care but screw you Chip Carey <laughs> seriously <laughs> screw you. you. No, seriously, I know he probably doesn't like Tiger fans anyways because Tiger fans always let him have it. But <laughs> this is a guy who always acts like he deserves everything he's given because of his last name. Screw you, dude. All right. <sighs> I feel better. Thank you. Um, is there any questions or anything that we want to get out of before we get out of here this evening? Uh, you know, I don't. I didn't see any questions on Twitter. There were some questions in the chat earlier. I, I don't uh, know if we want to go all the way back and catch it. Somebody asked why, why Malloy wasn't hitting left-handed pitchers. I don't know if uh, uh, if you go in and you look now, it's his OPS against lefties and righties is almost even. That was it was partially a small sample thing, and uh, it's still he's still only hitting like two thirty against lefties, but he's taking a lot more walks and hitting for more power. So it's I think it's just uh, just the way his swing is built. He's not great at uh, handling pitches that are kind of coming toward his hands, if you will, um, which is more likely to come from a lefty because of the arm slot, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Are there any other questions? Yeah. Other than speak, that, I think speak now. And Griff, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for sure. jumping on tonight. I really appreciate it. You did a really fantastic job coming on the podcast. Uh, so this is a time where we ask you to plug your stuff. So where people can find you on Twitter or can people find you on YouTube and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm deep to center on Twitter and YouTube. Um, I have a a blog and a podcast that are both called Trading Bases. I just started those. Um, and that's really my main platforms right now. Uh, the podcast is on Spotify and Apple News or Apple Podcasts as well. So that's but, exciting. Yeah. So people got some compliments for you there. So um yeah grizz you did a fantastic job or griff grizz i'm sorry i keep calling grizz but it's griff it's nobody griff. beats the grizz <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally calling you grizz from now on no griff, is, griff thanks again i mean like honestly it was just like having a third host and it's not very often we get people that are on the first time we're really comfortable on the mic and the, your podcast i've tuned into so that was kind of the reason why i'm like well you know i think he he'll be fine so um, <laughs> this is the comment of the night, by the way. I uh, appreciate this weekly Tigers content. Can't talk about this with anyone in Illinois. Yeah. Peace and love, everybody. And I'll uh, we'll talk to you guys this weekend. There, I, are we going out to uh, West Michigan tomorrow, Chris? Have we decided that? Or I, I don't know. Jack and Job is pitching again. Lee's out there. Um, yeah. We can make an argument for it. Yeah, we could also I mean, make an argument. We saw Jackson Joe pitch last Saturday, but yeah, but we also have to finish prospect. We still have to finish our top yeah. thirty. Our top thirty, speaking of that, is coming out. And for people who are members only of your YouTube, by the way, we're gonna do something special for you. And I'm gonna put it together tonight. You're gonna get the high, weekly, or excuse me, nightly highlights. We're just gonna put all the clips together. Bum 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 bum. If you're a YouTube member, that's you know that's our way of thanking you. So uh, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. All right, Griff. Thanks, and, um, <laughs>